Today is a very exciting day uh, for, well, first of all, because we get to worship Christ. You know, it's the Lord's day. Uh, but for a specific reason, uh, today is the day when we break ground on our new life center. Uh, that's not just a building. It's a venue, a tool through which Christ can meet our neighbors, our friends, people who live in our community, and they can come to know him uh, in a place where they feel safe and welcome, in a place where they uh, can forget about the, the, the trials and the worries and the cares of this life and focus in on who God is and what he's done for them and meet him and, and enter into relationship with him. We'll have more to say about that in just a few moments. Uh, we have some special guests with us this morning. Uh, I'm going to allow Sam to introduce most of them later. Uh, but here in just a few moments, we're going to hear from Will Faber. Will is our, uh, the architect of this project. He's been uh, with us for months, kind of gently guiding us through this process. And uh, he has some things that he would like to show you uh, about this new building so that you can kind of get an idea and a, and a picture in your mind of what it is that's going to be taking place here on our campus for uh, in, in about a year uh, when, when the building's completed. Uh, but before Will comes, I, Sam and I, as we were talking, preparing about this day, uh, we uh, agreed that wouldn't it be wonderful to hear from someone who has been a part of our congregation for a long, long time. Somebody who can kind of tell the story of uh, just dependence on the Lord and how God, uh, in spite of ourselves, in spite of our weakness, in spite of our lack of being able to see the future, God has moved, God has worked in these amazing ways and brought us to this point, this milestone in our church's history. And amazingly, Shirley Glover has agreed to share some of that story. Uh, which is a, if you know Shirley, you know that this is really a treat uh, because uh, she doesn't waste words. And so I'm eager to hear from her. And she's, we cut a deal. She said, I need to be able to stay where I am and, and share this from my chair. So I'm going to grab a microphone for Shirley and uh, we'll let her do that. Uh, can I use the orange one, guys? Is that okay? All right, Shirley's going to share this story, and then Will, if you could come up right uh, after Shirley's finished. I am not good at this. I cannot do it. I am the longest tender member of this church. I don't want to. <laughs> anyway, my parents and my sisters here today helped build the building across the street, which has been a long time ago. And I guess it was approximately 2005, we were having quite a few members come, and we were having two services. And Brother Guy, God gave him a vision to have another church building so we could all meet together. And he transferred that vision over to us, and we all prayed about it, and we just uh, prayed and prayed. And God answered our prayer. We got to build this beautiful building and it's been so awesome to have this building that we could all worship together. God has just been so good to, to us. And uh, anyway, today now we have a vision of a new building over here. And uh, 
It's just going to be awesome. God has just blessed us so much with sending us so many sweet new families in our church. And just we have been blessed. And he blessed us that we paid our building, this building off in five years. I don't remember how long we were supposed to take, but we paid it off. He just blessed us just so many ways that uh, I just thank each one of y'all for being here for this grand opening or grand, what, grand breaking of the, our church across here. So that's all I have to say. Take care. Shirley. All right, Will, you're up. Can I just project my voice? Um, Can everybody well, hear me? I was oh, thinking the this right here. Is that okay? You yeah. You I've never done this before. This is amazing. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> uh, so my name is Will Faber. I am really grateful to be with you guys here today. I've got, uh, I'm part of a bigger team, which is sitting over here, which you guys will hear from later. Um, but part of the, the joyful part of what I get to do is to help, and what you guys have actually asked us to do, first of all, I want to acknowledge your stewardship and your faithfulness and obedience to the Lord uh, in trusting him with what, uh, what we're about to talk through. Um, God has given you guys abundant riches, and like I know that your heart is to turn around and honor him with these riches and to serve your community. Um, and so we're so honored just to be invited to, to join you in that vision and to see some of these things come to fruition. So... We've been having these conversations, and we've been, Sam has done a tremendous job herding the cats, uh, me being one of those cats. I don't like cats, but I am a cat, I guess. Um, but Sam's done a tremendous job just, like, reining everything in and keeping us all moving in the same direction, and we've been really grateful for everybody's input. Everybody who's been involved in that process has been such a, a tremendous gift. Um, and like I said, we just get to, I feel like we get to partake in this with you. So thank you for inviting us to, to be part of this with you. We're really, really excited to be here with you today. Um, excited to, to show you what we've got here. Um, unfortunately, and I, I did this last time we presented to you too, I had my back turned to you pretty much the whole time. And it's not because I don't love you. It is literally because I can't see what I'm doing if I don't do this. So, and I brought, a, I brought an Xbox controller. I swear I didn't come here to play video games, okay? <laughs> Um, this is just a lot easier for me to navigate this model. Um, and so without further ado, I just want to kind of jump into it. Um, I'm, you guys have seen some of the, the drawings and the, the renderings and things out in the hallway. And so this is just kind of a, the further manifestation of that gives you a little bit better understanding of it. So, um, and if you guys, if, if anybody has trouble hearing me, just holler and I will, I'll, get the, I'll catch the drift. Um, but this is your existing building, the one that we're sitting in now. You can see the chapel there. Um, I'm going to turn this way. This is the new building. This is the addition, right? And then over here is 180. Um, and so that gives you a little bit of a lay of the land. Uh, I'm going to actually try to try my best. I need my 12-year-old son up here to do this for me. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see if we can get this done here without... Okay, so now we're on the ground. I'm going to change the lighting a little bit so we can see what's going on gonna be great there we go um, so what we're doing to bridge this gap between the two buildings is to put in a, a connecting like a corridor that is conditioned this this corridor has a ramp and a stair in it you guys will see that in just a minute but that's how we're gonna account for the grade change between the building we're in now and the the, the future building which is about five feet higher than the building we're in now so 
and then this is the stone, the stone wall. So you guys, everybody familiar with where we are? You guys can imagine where we are on the property? Okay. Uh, so we're gonna continue north up here. We're gonna have some additional head-in parking, which will be nice to serve the, the New Family Center. Um, and then I'm just gonna actually walk us through the front door here. Um, this will be a covered walkway right here. So you've got two covered walkways, one of them here and then the other one on the, on the south side of the building. Um, there's a, if you've seen the master plan, there's, there's vision for future parking to the south. Um, and then there's vision for um, enclosing, you'll, you'll see this open pavilion in a minute, there's vision for enclosing that and that becoming the new worship center, which would be able to accommodate uh, a bit more seating, um, which will be great. It's just, a, it's a good thing to plan for. Um, and so I'm gonna walk in this way. I'm a pretty slow walker, so bear with me. Um, so this is the lounge when you come in. And then straight ahead is the, is the catering kitchen. So when that door is open, there's coffee being served, there's activity on a Sunday morning. Um, when I turn to the right, I've got classrooms, I've got the nursery right here. So I'm gonna go in here real quick, just to give you a peek inside of here. So this is the nursery, a bit larger than what we have today. Um, and there will be some changing stations. There's a dedicated bathroom in here for the nursery, right through that door right there. Uh, there will be marker boards and, and lots of opportunity for activity in that space. And then a window looking out to the front of the building. So I'm going to come out there, back into the lounge. I'm going to walk this way. This is the ramp that I was telling you about earlier that, con that con connects the two buildings, right? So I'm going to look this way. We think this would be, this, this is an indoor playground. So this, this entire space right here is double volume. I mean, that, it's very tall. So lots of opportunity for um, playground equipment in that space and lots of activity there. Um, and then I'm gonna come down here. The, the, the lounge that you see up, tall, up high where the, this lady is standing looking out over, there'll be, I could, we, we're imagining like couches and, and lounge furniture there so that if you're a mom or a dad and you want to bring your kid to the church to play, uh, you, can, you can drink a cup of coffee and watch your, your child play. Um, and then on top of that, like there's, there's this little um, kind of courtyard between the two buildings now. And we saw the opportunity there for one day for outdoor playground equipment. So again, like an indoor and an outdoor activity area, right? And then if I go through that set of double doors right there, that leads me into, that, that's that set of double doors right over there. That would lead me into this building. So I'm turn around this way. And one thing I wanna just preface is that the light fixtures, the wall colors, the flooring, like all these things are just placeholders. These are things are not yet baked. Like these things aren't, haven't been decided on yet, but we thought it would be helpful just to give everybody like a sense of the space. Go up here. I told you this was a catering kitchen. I'm gonna step in here real quick. Again, the appliance colors are not what everybody requested, but this is just giving you a sense of the space, right? So very generously sized catering kitchen with two islands, a couple sinks, um, a lot of, of uh, kitchen equipment on, along the walls here, including an eight burner range um, and vent hood. And then uh, this is gonna be a very, like a large overhead can't like counter height coiling door so to, to serve food in and out of like for days where we have fellowship, where, like where, where there's three or 400 people in this large fellowship hall. So this is the, this door is a little bit extra wide. I think that's like a 42 inch wide door. 
So traffic in and out of this door will be critical. Uh, we wanted to make sure that that was sufficiently sized, especially if you're carrying like a, a pan of, of um, cinnamon rolls or something like that. You don't want to run into somebody. Uh, so I'm going to come in here to the fellowship hall. So this is the fellowship hall, right? This is about 4,200 square feet. Um, those little closets that you see over there, are, they have panels inside of them, right? And those panels will actually pull out and create classrooms for all the grades one through six. So all grades one through six will be over here. And I know currently they're meeting on the other side of Indian Creek Road, so this is actually a huge impetus in getting this project started was to get kids over here to this side of Indian Creek Road, just from a safety and a, and a logistics standpoint. Um, and then off of this, we, so we've got acoustic panels um, that are that sort of a lot, that, that create a border up high. Like the, it's kind of hard to see, but it's these white, like these white panels um, right here that you see, with, and those are mechanical diffusers um, to help dampen some of the sound. And then if I come in through here, this is the pre-K and kindergarten classroom. Again, as one, if this, a lot of the, um, the, some of these like operable walls and things that you guys are seeing, this is to create a lot of flexibility and versatility of the spaces so that we didn't end up having to build um, several of these spaces three or four times. Like we actually just ended up building one big room and then we put a dividing partition, like you can see the partition walls stacked right here. Like that can slide all the way across and create two, two smaller classrooms when, when that's, when that's the, the need, right? So our hope here is to create flexibility. Um, again, we've got a restroom off of this, off of this uh, set of classrooms. I'm gonna come in through here. And then we've got group restrooms here. So in a, in a drinking fountain. So men's on the left and women's on the right. So if I come in through here, I know you guys, this is the thing, this is what you guys have been waiting for. Let's go inside the bathroom, right? And see how exciting that is. So uh, very standard bathroom. Doesn't need to be fancy or anything like that. But what's really cool about this is you've got a shower back here um, so, that, so that you can uh, accommodate families and you can accommodate uh, people who are in need. Or you can, if Sam mows the grass and he stinks and sweats a lot, <laughs> then he'll have a place to go get clean. Um, so let's see here. I'm actually going to go back. I'm going to go back through the lobby. There's a guy playing a guitar here because we thought when in our earlier conversations, we thought it might be or neat to, to have like one of those, those movable stages that you could set up and tear down. And this might be the perfect place to put that. Um, we would then consider a projector and a, a way to do exactly what we're doing right here to project words onto the, the wall behind him or her. Um, so that's why that guy's holding the guitar. If we go through here, this will actually serve as your primary, um, like, street-facing, like, front-facing lounge or, or entry lobby, right? Um, so the, I'm going to step out. And this is another covered walkway. I'm going to come around the corner and, and back to the front of the building. So this is what the front of the building looks like. Uh, this is the south-facing elevation, so Highway 180 is behind us. Um, and I know this is not the actual mineral wells context beyond, but it's pretty close. It does look pretty close. Um, and then this is that covered pavilion that I was talking about earlier. So that we could imagine this being used for a whole host of things. Um, you know, you could, you could set up basketball out here. 
Uh, this could be used as an overflow space when you guys do have fellowship and you want on a day like today, I mean, or if it's a little warmer maybe, some people might prefer to be outside. So you could open up these doors and you could set up tables outside and host people outside on this, under this pavilion as well. Um, you can host events out here. Um, and then, I, like I said, in phase two, this imagine this entire thing clad with walls and then this big wall that, you're, that we're looking at right here comes down and then the whole thing becomes one large worship center. Um, so that's, that's the future uh, intent there. But for now, it is just a really, I, I would love to come. When you guys do have your barbecues and you pull up, like please invite my family and I. I'm not, and, and invite those guys too. Like they would, we would love to come celebrate with you any good food and enjoy this space with you. Um, and so that, that is about it. So I just wanted to, we thought it would be fun for you guys to see some of this um, digitally before we actually go out here and start putting a shovel in the ground and, and breaking ground. But we're, like I said earlier, we are so excited to partner with you in this and grateful for you guys. You've been a joy to work with so far. And we, yeah, we just look forward to continuing to work with you. So that is all I have. Um, Jake, do you need me to say, this Jake, do you need me to say anything else? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I noticed that, um, you know, we're all enjoying the presentation. But then when he said cinnamon rolls, we're all, <laughs> is that part of this, you know? <laughs> okay, well, here's what's going to take place in the next few minutes. Uh, in, in a moment here, we're going to open up God's Word uh, for a short message. Uh, and then after that, we are going to kind of regroup outside for our groundbreaking ceremony um, where you'll get to meet some of the other folks who've been involved in this project, hear from them, and uh, then uh, we'll, we'll go through that ceremony. So why don't we do this? Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And then I'd like for us to read just two verses, and then we can pray. 1 Samuel 22, let's read verses 1 and 2. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're excited about what we've just seen, and we just want to thank you for bringing us to this point. Thank you for the story that uh, of your grace and, and answered prayer, and uh, you're using normal people uh, to reach a community for the gospel. And we pray that this would just be another mile marker along the way of, of fulfilling that same mission, Father. I pray that you would open up this text to us, help us to understand uh, what you have for us in this new life center, and uh, that you would challenge us each to embrace your heart for those who are in distress, those who are in debt, and those who are in bitter in soul. Uh, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. In the summer of 1911, a British teenager embarked on a hiking trip to the Bernese Alps like thousands of others before him. The journey would leave an indelible impression on him, and even though he never returned, it would leave an indelible impression and impact on millions, even down to this very day. John Ronald Rule Tolkien, age 19, descended from the misty mountains of the stunning Jungfrau region, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, into the Lauterbrunnen Valley, a deep basin carved by glaciers, and surrounded by dozens of waterfalls plunging over 1,000-foot cliffs. Uh, if you look this up on the internet, you can find pictures of it. It's absolutely breathtaking, and I'm sure if we were to go and visit, we would just be blown away. But I imagine it would be hard for us to reproduce the way that this brief visit to Lauterbrunnen Valley ignited J.R. Tolkien's affections. He was struck by the profound beauty he felt welcomed by this community. He felt safe, refreshed, renewed, healed, ready for life. And it was this memory, combined with his prodigious imagination, that would inspire a vision of the last homely house east of the sea, Rivendell, the place where pilgrims, sojourners, strangers could escape the perils of the wild for a few moments, find welcome, rest, belonging, nourishment and peace, not to escape difficulty, but so that they might find strength to meet it head on. Now, it strikes me that some of you have never actually been to a place like that. I mean a place of beauty where you know you belong. A place where you can let down your guard. A place where people are cheering you on rather than cutting you down a place where you can heal and grow, a place to launch you out into the battles of life and welcome you back when you need to regroup. Now, it, it must not have been nearly as picturesque, but I imagine that David's camp at the mouth of the cave of Adullam may have been just such a place. And it's no wonder that those who could find no rest anywhere else came to David and found rest there. The walls of stone were cold and jagged, but there was a warm hearth for the rejects and the rogues, the 400 raggedy scoundrels who were drawn to the king after God's own heart. So what does that have to do with us today? Well, my hope, my prayer is that even though it will not be as rustic as a Judean cave or as grand perhaps as an Alpine valley, our new life center going in just to the south of this building can become like our own Adullam, our own Rivendell, our own last homely house, a place of welcome and beauty and, and, and belonging, not because of the architecture, but because of the presence of God's King in this place and with this people. To catch you up, if you're here for the first time today, for the last several months, actually for the last year almost, we've been following the life of King David as it's described in the book of 1 Samuel. David isn't the king that the people asked for, but he ends up being the very king that by God's grace they needed in order to follow him. Why is that? Because he is the king after God's own heart. So when we see David's heart, 
when, when we see any goodness in King David in the book of 1 Samuel, what we're actually seeing is like a mirror's reflection of the goodness of the heart of God. So, to, to, in other words, when, when we see goodness in David, we're seeing the goodness of Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. If the Lord Jesus Christ is like the rising sun, burning in its brightness and its glory and its warmth, then King David's ministry, at his best, is sort of like that pre-dawn light that, that clues us in on who God is and what he's like. In this passage, David is God's chosen king, but he hasn't yet ascended to the throne. In fact, there is another king who wants him dead, the king that people did ask for, King Saul, and, and David's on the run. He's been chased away from the palace. He's been chased away from his home. He's been chased away from Samuel's home. He's been chased away from the home of the priests. Chased away from the city of Gath, chased into the wilderness, to a cave in the desert of Judea. And when word gets out that he's at this cave called Adullam, the misfits and the malcontents begin to come out of the woodwork, and they gather in David's presence, and they become his subjects, and he becomes their chief, their captain. And notice that there are three types of people who are drawn toward God's king at Adullam. Look at verse 2. Everyone who was in distress. Everyone who was in distress comes to the cave. Distress. Who are these people? According to the New International Dictionary of Old Testament Theology and Exegesis, distress refers to the severe physical and psychological hardship that individuals suffer on account of an external force or party. It conveys the idea of pressure being exerted on an individual or group to grind down resistance, patience, courage, resolve, or moral standards, it signifies being hemmed in on every side with no possibility of movement. Everyone who is in distress. What does that mean? Uh, here's what that means. God's king is like a magnet that draws in those who are relationally downtrodden. He's like a magnet for those who are relationally downtrodden. They're bullied, they're oppressed, they're afflicted by foes and enemies, they're isolated, they're alone, they're surrounded by predators who are licking their chops, waiting for them to make a mistake so that they can pounce. They're being pressed in on every side by powerful and wicked men, and they cannot even live their life. It's as if their life is over. And then these people find out that God's king, David, the man after God's own heart, is at this cave in the Judean wilderness, and they say, maybe I can go there. Maybe if I go to the cave... I'll find new life. Notice that it's not just the relationally downtrodden. Look who else arrives. Everyone who was in debt. Keep in mind that in the ancient Near East, debt was not normal. Uh, we modern people were very comfortable with debt. Even the most conservative people among us are willing to go into debt because there are safeguards and securities in place. Uh, so we'll buy maybe a house or uh, pay for a new church building and we'll go into debt for that because we know that there are securities in place for that. But in, in, in antiquity, that, especially on an individual level, that was absolutely not the case. Uh, this was not normal. At best, since the law forbids an Israelite from collecting interest from their countrymen, loans were doled out only to the most desperate people who had no other recourse. At worst, the, the moneylenders that were typical of the ancient Near East were almost like loan sharks. They were violent people, and if you didn't pay, you would be severely punished. 
So if you were in debt, you were desperate. Your life was not your own. And since most people made just enough money to live, if you were in debt, you usually were someone who were at risk of not being able to pay back the debt. And it was almost as if your life was over. And these people, they hear that David is at the cave of Adullam. And they say, my life is just, it's not my own. I'm a slave to somebody else. And maybe if I go out to the cave, I'll find new life. So David welcomes not only the relationally downtrodden, but also the financially desperate. And then there was a third group of people who gathered at the cave of Adullam, those who were bitter in soul. Uh, Today, when we say that someone's bitter, we're talking about a person who's maybe been disappointed or uh, uh, they've... They've been let down in some way, and so they have this sort of low-grade anger that simmers just below the surface. But that's not what this word means. Uh, Simply put, this is the anguish, the, the agony that arises when the unthinkable becomes unavoidable. It's the bitterness of life sunk into the human heart. Some of you know what this is like, the unbearable suffering or loss or difficulty that you cannot escape. This is like when you long for a child and you wait and you pray and you do whatever you can to make it happen, but for one reason or another, you can't have children and there is nothing you can do. This is like when your wife gets sick and then she doesn't get better and you try everything, but she just keeps getting worse and worse and the next thing you know, she's gone. And there's nothing you can do. This is like when you find out your husband wasn't keeping his marriage vows and you try to seek reconciliation, but he wants to leave and there is nothing you can do and your relationship is over and it's, that's just, and it, it's done. You're bitter in soul. You're not... It's not that you're angry. It's just that you're suffering. Every day, life just tastes bad. But these people who are grieving, who are, who are dealing with this inescapable loss, they find out that God's king, the king after God's own heart, is at the cave of Adullam, and they think, you know what? I've got, there's nothing for me here. I bet you if I just go and join myself to King David, I'll find new life. And so David becomes like a magnet for three types of people, the relationally downtrodden, the financially desperate, and the emotionally devastated, and we're told that he becomes captain over them. Literally, he stands in front of them. And if you trace the story of this first gang gathered around David, these 400 men, and you follow them throughout Scripture, you find that even though they start out in distress and they start out in debt and they start out bitter in soul, they become David's mighty men, and they go on to do these great feats of bravery in God's service. Their life is renewed, and they go on to fulfill their God-given callings. In other words, there was something about David, something good, something wholesome, that attracted people like you and me. He welcomed people like us. He welcomed the relationally downtrodden, the financially desperate, the emotionally devastated. And he actually, because of his gracious leadership, was able to infuse some kind of newness of life and they were able to go on and serve the Lord and have a fulfilling calling in God's service. Well, what about you? Haven't you been relationally downtrodden? bullied, pushed around, abused. You've watched sin 
yours or somebody else's drive a wedge in between you and the people that you care about? Between you and God? You've said something, and that moment that it came out of your mouth, you regretted it, but you cannot take it back, and now it's just hanging in the air between you and that person that you care about, and there's, there's like seemingly no way out? Have you ever been financially desperate? I know I have. See, we don't like to help people like that because we know it's going to cost somebody something, right? But David was there for them. What about emotionally devastated? You don't feel like getting out of bed. Your circumstances are unthinkable, almost unbelievable. You want to deny what's going on, but you can't, and you're just in anguish. It seems like life is over. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been there or we are there, right? And unfortunately for us, David's gone. He's been dead for centuries. But is there anybody living Anyone you know, anyone that you could run to who attracts the wretches of this world, people like you and me, and welcomes them in, who invites them to follow his lead, who gives them a fresh beginning, who gives us a new life. Do you know anybody like that? What about the one who, when he was born, was announced to the shepherds as good news of great joy, which shall be for all mankind. Not just the important people living in the palaces, everybody. What about the one who got in trouble with the priests and the pastors of the day because he was dining with tax collectors and sinners? What about the one who in Matthew 11 cried out, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. What about the great physician who didn't come to heal those who were well, but to heal the sick? What about the one who praised his father for hiding the great truths of the gospel from the wise and the mighty and the clever and the arrogant from the great ones of the earth and revealed those truths to children? What about the one who laid aside the riches of heaven and for our sakes became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich? Do you know anybody who welcomes those who are in distress, those who are in debt, and those who are bitter in soul and says, come here and you'll find new life? Can't we say of the heir to David's throne, everyone who was in distress, everyone who's in debt, everyone who's bitter in soul, gather to him so that he can become captain over you. Our Lord Jesus Christ says to the relationally downtrodden, the financially desperate, the emotionally devastated, come unto me, come to Adullam. I'm ready for you. Supper is prepared. Sit down, eat. So you're full. Have new life. Some of you this morning, you're here today, and you're, you're right there. I mean, we read that verse, and you just thought immediately, that's me. Uh, I'm in distress. My relationships are just in tatters. I've dug myself a huge hole in my financial situation. I'm experiencing the bitterness of life. My eyes just burn all day long. I am on the verge of crying. And I just want to point out that it doesn't matter 
whether you are in that situation because of your choices or the choices of others or some combination of the two. That, that's not the condition that Jesus puts on you whether or not he's going to help you. He doesn't say, hey, welcome, as long as it's not your fault. Because truthfully, it, it almost never is completely not our fault. What is the condition? Are you at the end of your rope? Are you in need? Are you in this category? Do you have the need? Is your life over? Then come to Jesus and find new life. And just like those wretches gathering at the mouth of the cave of Adullam who drew near with empty hands and hollow hearts but quickly found themselves at home in the ranks of their new captain, so it can be for you. You've got nothing but a need, but Christ wants to take you and mold you into the very thing he created you to be. And, and if I can just tie all this together, here's, here's the point. This is the reason why we're breaking ground on a new life center today. Because this little postage stamp at Indian Creek Road is like our own Adolin. I mean, can you see it? We don't need a, a clean and clinical space for nice people to get together with nice clothes on and, and do nice things and say nice things to each other. That's not what we need. What we need is a place where those who are unwelcome anywhere else can find welcome in the family of Christ. Today we're going to break ground so we can start to build. In a year, hopefully less, maybe... We'll have a ribbon cutting or an open house or something. But do you want to know how we'll know the new Life Center is really open for business? It's, it's not going to be the last stroke of a paintbrush or the last square of sod being set down. Those things are cool, but they're really not how we'll know that this building is open. You know how we'll know the building's really open for business? It's going to be that first muddy smudge of a child-shaped hand. <laughs> on a freshly painted wall, right? That first rainy day that tracks in some fresh mud on fresh carpet. And that's going to be painful for those of you who, like me, are perfectionists. But when it happens, I challenge you to cheer inside and say, that is why we built this thing. That is why it's here. To be the last homely house, to be a place of rest and welcome and nourishment and recharge so that the wretches and the rogues and the vagabonds and the strangers and sojourners of Palopino County and the surrounding areas can come and find a place where they are welcome in the family of God in Christ, where they can find forgiveness, where they can find grace, and then gather the strength to go out and do what God has called them to do. So that's what I'm excited about today. Are you excited about that? So let's pray and ask God's blessing on that very thing. Would you join with me? Father, thank you so much for your grace in allowing us to get to this point. And Lord, we do ask for, for the right attitude, uh, for your heart, a heart of welcome and kindness and a heart of beauty towards those who need grace and kindness. Truthfully, Lord, that's all of us, and, and so we ask that you would move even in this moment to, to welcome sinners into your family. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. You know, in a, in, in a moment, we're, we're going to uh, go outside, and we're going to have a little groundbreaking ceremony, but before we do, I would just ask you to consider how it is that God's calling you to respond. Whenever God reveals himself,
in the pages of the word, he wants us to respond. And that response, that's between you and the Lord. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, It takes humility to say to somebody, this is what God's doing in my life, and I need help. Would you pray for me? Doesn't it? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, this is between me and the Lord, but let's be real. It's, it's a whole other level of humility when we go to somebody else and say, you know what, I need, some, I need prayer. I need help. And so in a moment, we're going to sing together. And when we sing, I just want to invite you, if the Spirit is laying this on your heart to do, uh, to respond in, in maybe one of two ways. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, that passage describes my situation right now. I am, my life is over. And I can't see any way out on my own. I need somebody to welcome me in. And I I want to, I I need help. I I need somebody to pray for me because I've been not only the the person in distress and in debt and and, and in, in this emotional devastation, but I'm actually God's enemy and I need forgiveness and welcome in him. And if that's you, in just a moment when we sing, I would just invite you to come forward. Uh, Our elders, some of their wives will be up here in the front. Greet them and say, would you pray for me? Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, God's convicting me specifically about pursuing this type of ministry as well. And uh, I I need to be Christ-like and be a person who welcomes those who otherwise don't have a welcome anywhere else. So I I just want to invite us all to stand right now. And uh, we're going to sing together. But I would encourage you to, to respond, and, and if the Lord leads you to come forward, our elders are going to be up front. I think, do we have any elders there to come, come up front? You can come up right now. And uh, they'd love to pray with you and uh, see how we can serve you in this way and, and in responding to the Word of God. But let's sing together in response to His Word.